It's A Plus Weekly, my news roundup of what has caught my eye this week in the tech world, focusing on the Apple ecosystem, out first on YouTube as a video podcast, and then on the usual podcast platforms. Welcome! On the show this week, what possible traps await Apple in India? The latest on the mixed reality headset, you can now save with the Apple Card. More on the long-awaited iPhone SE 4 and how to protect yourself from getting locked out of your stolen Apple device. I'm Saab Johal, let's get into it. So what's going to be on the mixed reality headset? Welcome to the real world. So the AR VR headset is coming. It looks like a June announcement at WWDC is still on the cards and the race is on to make sure it has some compelling reasons to buy it. And if you don't have three grand lying around, at least not write it off completely. In fact, I'm guessing the aim is to stoke up a whole load of drooling desire and pent up demand to make sure that when a more modestly priced consumer version eventually hits the stores, you will throw your money at Apple to get one. Take the money. It looks like the device will feature not only virtual workouts, that's going to be fun with a headset on, and meditation, but also possibly a sports watching app and will feature eye scanning functionality. You are terminated. Apple's working on a fitness plus service for the headset so you can exercise and watch an instructor in VR. Apple's also building a free form version for the headset, something they see as a major selling point. Now this service, which was released on the company's other devices last year, will enable users to collaborate on virtual whiteboards whilst in mixed reality. Bloomberg News says FaceTime will create 3D versions of users in virtual meeting rooms. The idea is to make participants feel like they're talking together in the same place. A goal of virtual reality goggles for some time. Meta's been aiming for the same thing with their Quest headsets and it hasn't been a must have for the average person. Wait, so you're into VR. By any chance, are you into the metaverse? A major chunk of the task facing Apple is tweaking iPad apps for the new headset, which combines virtual and augmented reality. Sources claim that users can get access or will be able to get access to millions of existing apps from third-party developers with the new 3D interface. But they wanted to stay anonymous since the plans are still secret. The push will optimize Safari web browser and Apple services for calendars, contacts, files, home control, mail, maps, messaging, notes, photos, and reminders, as well as music, news, stocks, and weather apps. The majority of these features will look similar to what already exists on the iPad. Now to get the most out of Apple's hardware, whatever you're using, you need software. It was a Steve Jobs era thing to say, there's an app for that. But the mixed reality headset could be even more of a challenge since a lot of people won't be familiar with it and it'll be pricey to start with. Apple has to get the world on board with why they need this device and how to use it. But why? That task starts now. If you don't want to spend your money on Apple goods and services for your device, well, Apple now has a service that helps you to get a return on money that you're not spending on their goods and services, if you see what I mean. If you're in the USA, Apple Card's new high yield savings account in partnership with Goldman Sachs is now offering a 4.15% rate. Money, money. Money. 
Apple claims that's a whopping 10 times the national average with no fees, no minimum deposits, and no minimum balance requirements. All directly from your Apple card on your digital wallet on your device. Now this is in no way financial advice, but it looks like a competitive offering when you look at data from Bankrate, you can currently find savings accounts that offer annual percentage year rates of 3.5 to 4.75%. The company isn't making any promises when it comes to future interest rates. It could go up and down at any time, but it looks pretty good for now. But a big plus is that balances up to 250 grand are covered by the Federal Deposit Insurance Corporation. And every purchase you make using the Apple Pay facility gets at least 2% daily cash back too. It's kind of mind boggling, but also the natural way to go. Money, 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 money. Bring it all to New Zealand now. So Apple's in India, what happens next? This week with great fanfare, Apple opened its first retail stores in Mumbai and Delhi in India. But how much should we really read into this? We did go to India. Mm. It's kind of interesting perhaps to look back at what's happened 15 years ago when Apple opened its first retail store in China in July 2008 and what happened then. Tim Culpin on Bloomberg has written an interesting opinion piece looking at just that. When hundreds of people lined up for the opening of the first store in Beijing, China, wasn't really part of Apple's money making. By the end of 2009, China plus Hong Kong combined only had $769 million, making up 1.8% of the global total. Two years down the line, that figure hit 12 billion, or 11.5%. India's kind of reached that point now. Bloomberg News said on Monday, citing a person in the know, that Apple sales in the country jumped about 50% to nearly 6 billion in the year up to March 31st. Now that's an amazing jump given the global slump in gadget sales all around the world. But it's still only 1.6%, nowhere near the 8% the iPhone maker makes in greater China. Cook's step of opening two stores this week could be viewed as either spurring business in a major market or just jumping on a growth bandwagon, hoping to chivvy it along a little. Local manufacturing is up because of the import taxes imposed by the Indian government, but exports are also doing well, it seems. The Indian Department of Commerce said that in the year up to December 31st, handsets shipped overseas had a value of more than 7.1 billion, a 67% surge. But Apple's not among the leaders unless you consider share by value, where the iPhone occupies the premium end. By that metric, the US company is second behind Samsung. It's going to be a tough needle to thread though. India is way behind China in infrastructure, bureaucracy, attention to detail and urgency when it comes to manufacturing. If Apple depends on India's domestic supply that it's trying to grow and demand grows faster than production, then growth could suffer. Even when these problems get worked out, more political risks arise. Poor worker conditions coming out or a revolt at a local factory could make India's population 
resent the American company. Apple has been here before in China. Back in 2015, the region was 25% of total sales, but then started to decline. Beijing blocked the iTunes and iBook stores the following year. And with nationalism growing and US-China tensions escalating, Apple's reputation took a hit. But no one has taken more of a beating from a consumer backlash than Samsung. <laughs> When Apple's first China store opened, the most popular phones were those from Nokia, HTC, Motorola, and Samsung. Shortly after, the first three went down, but Samsung hung in there. By 2013, Samsung had taken the lead, with Huawei quickly catching up, and Apple still dominating that high-end market. Just like with India recently, iPhones were not the leader by shipments, but led by value. Samsung was on top in both value and shipments for a while, showing it was finally the perfect sweet spot in prices for Chinese customers. But in 2016, there was a spate of Samsung Note 7 handsets randomly catching fire all over the world. A few years on, and much of the world had moved on from the issue buying Samsung again, except for China. Not issuing a local recall for this model made buyers just more angry. And just like that, Samsung lost its mojo in China. Maybe there's a lesson here for Apple. Once upon a time, Nokia was the dominant market player, and I couldn't imagine a world without their handsets. Then it was ditto for Samsung. And for now, it's Apple. And for a growing segment of the Indian population, the iPhone is aspirational, the very epitome of cool. But Apple is also just one accident, scandal, or government intervention away from a negative vibe from a fickle public. Expect bumps along the way. Now, it looks like the fourth generation iPhone SE is not in Apple's plans for the next couple of years, according to analyst Ming-Chi Kuo, despite recent claims saying otherwise. That is never gonna happen. Quo put a damper on his own ideas about the iPhone SE 4 resembling the iPhone 14, also tweeting that he believes any current iPhone SE 4 models are just engineering models for Apple's 5G progress. To put it simply, this news is maddening for iPhone SE fans and those expecting a budget-friendly iPhone are used to the iPhone SE 4 roller coaster. The roller coaster? Roller coaster. Just a short while back, analysts reported that Apple had given up on the launch of a fourth generation iPhone SE because of doubts concerning its popularity and whether it would actually make any money. Two months later, analysts had a different take and said that Apple was back at it with the iPhone SE 4, but way off the original timeline. Quo is now doubting if an iPhone SE 4 will ever come out. Are we really expecting Apple to keep creating something that won't be popular in 2026? and beyond, by then we'll probably be guessing about the iPhone 18. Chances are the iPhone SE 4 is kaput, or at least the iPhone SE 4 we imagined is dead. <laughs> now that's what I call a dead parrot. Who knows, Apple could still magic up an affordable iPhone, but the chances don't look great right now. Sorry, SE fam, them's the brakes, for now anyway.
This week, a couple of journalists at the Wall Street Journal published a report highlighting how thieves can use Apple's optional recovery key security option to permanently lock out iPhone users from their Apple ID account. Now, reports in February revealed that thieves have been watching iPhone users enter their passcodes in public, stealing the device, and then accessing the contents, including financial apps. Interviewees in the initial report said their iPhones were stolen whilst they were out enjoying themselves at bars and other public places after dark. If a thief knows an iPhone's passcode, they can reset the victim's Apple ID password in settings, even if Face ID or Touch ID is switched on. Then the thief can disable Find My iPhone on the device, blocking the owner from tracing its location or deleting it from iCloud. The new report focuses on one more step thieves can take, using the stolen device to set or reset the recovery key, a randomly generated 28 character code that's necessary to get access to an Apple ID after it's been enabled. Apple's policy gives users virtually no way back into their accounts without that recovery key, the report states. If someone has the stolen iPhone, its passcode, and the Apple ID password, they can steal money through Apple Pay and other banking apps, view private stuff like photos and emails, and more. There's gotta be something we could do. So how can you stay protected from something like this happening to you. When you're out and about, iPhone users should use Face ID or Touch ID to keep thieves from spying your password. If you've got to put in a password, block any other people from viewing the screen with your hands. Now the report suggests changing to an alphanumeric passcode, which would make it harder for thieves to remember. Go to Settings, App, Face ID and Passcode, then change passcode to do that. If you're watching on YouTube, subscribe and hit the bell to make sure you don't miss my next video. And on audio, be sure to hit follow or something like that to get my next show. I'm Saab Johal. This channel is A+. Thanks for being here right at the end of this short, punchy show. Look out for a new angle later on this month. But for now, cheers and go well.